things are hidden play. If you love exploring how to do school different so you can make a legendary impact on your campus, then you're in the right place. I'm Danny Bauer, and this is the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, the original ruckus maker podcast for visionary leaders, innovators, and rebels in education. Thanks to ruckus makers just like you, this podcast ranks in the top 0.5% of over 3 million worldwide podcasts. So once again, thank you for listening. In today's show, I speak with Peter DeWitt and Mike Nelson, the founders of the Instructional Leadership Network. We're going to cover topics like why they started the Instructional Leadership Network, how to design for belonging, what to do when people are resistant to what you have to share, why making accommodations matter, the power of connection and networks, and Mike and Peter have a free instructional leadership reflection tool for you as well. And you can hear how to grab that free tool at the end of the show. Now, here's the thing. If we're honest, most professional development sucks. It's too little, too late, unhelpful, and disconnected. There's got to be a better way. That's why I created the Ruckus Maker Mastermind. It's relevant, responsive, and results-oriented. It's a leadership design experience connecting other Ruckus Makers who want to do school different. If that idea excites you or intrigues you, then I invite you to check it out at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind. We'll get to the main content of the show in just a second. But first, a message from our show sponsors. What do the most effective leaders all have in common? After coaching and mentoring thousands of school leaders, I've identified seven key areas that make ruckus makers highly effective. When you download the School Leadership Scorecard, you will identify the highest leverage opportunities for you to grow in the next 90 days. And you can complete this tool in 10 minutes or less. Get your free copy of the School Leadership Scorecard at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash scorecard. How would you like to increase student talk by an average of 40%? More student ownership, more student discourse. Check it out for yourself by trying out TeachFX. Go to teachfx.com forward slash better leaders to pilot their program today. If executive functioning skills are integral to student success, then why aren't they taught explicitly and consistently in classrooms? I have no idea. I have no idea why that doesn't happen. But what I do know is that our friends over at Organized Binder have created a new course that will teach your teachers how to set up students for success via executive functioning skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com slash go. All right. Well, hello, Ruckus Maker. We are here today with two extraordinary guests. They founded something called the Instructional Leadership Collective, which we'll be talking about. Uh, but first, I'd like to introduce Mike Nelson, who began his career as an elementary school teacher before becoming an elementary school principal. As a district leader, he led learning initiatives in two Washington state school districts. And as the superintendent for Washington's Enumclaw School District, he led several initiatives to improve cultural support and academic outcomes for Native students. In 2019, the Washington Association of School Administrators named him the Washington State Superintendent of the Year. 
And Peter DeWitt is our second guest, uh, EDD, who is the founder and CEO of the Instructional Leadership Collective. He was a K-5 teacher for 11 years and a principal for eight years. For the last 10 years, he has been facilitating professional learning nationally and internationally based on the content of many of his best-selling educational books. Mike and Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Danny. Brilliant. Well, uh, Mike, I want to start with you. You, you know, you, you talked about what it was like coming back after COVID and having that first in-person workshop. Can you take us to that moment? Yes. And, well, in the middle of, well, right before COVID, I um, applied for a job at a state level. So moving from superintendent to move into the working with the state of Washington and professional learning, supporting superintendents and district office staff. So really changing up how professional learning occurred more into a virtual setting. So a year and a half into this brand new job, Danny, I was just like, oh, we're going to have a comeback. We're actually going to be in a hotel, do a workshop, which is what we've always been used to for decades and decades. And we planned it. We really tried to be really um, conscious about, and it was the first that was a return. So, you know, almost like from the moment people got out of their cars and they walked into the facility, we wanted them to feel an experience of learning. And when they walked into actually the ballroom, things were on the table and, you know, there were touchstones that brought them right to the heart of learning and the students. And what I can tell you is the emotions just were incredible, authentic and tearful, but tearful of joy that they were together with colleagues and supporting each other, but, and also just tearful to be back together in one single room. And that's kind of the, the real emphasis of what the work that Peter and I are doing, actually. Tell me more about, uh, I guess, some of these touchstones and things that you had around and the environment. You know, I, I'm not sure if you read a book called The Art of Gathering. Uh, I think it was by Priya Parker. We read it ages ago on the Ruckus Maker Mastermind. But, you know, just event design and experience design is something I'm super interested in. So, you know, I get to pick your brain right now. Yes. You know, there were two influencers and one of them is the art of gathering. The other one is unreasonable hospitality that really influence our work in professional learning and how we bring people together in terms of environment. So an example of bringing people together is that the minute they walk into the door, instead of just handing them their name tag, that's just one of multiple stations. And so they received their name tag. They were greeted by their name. We asked them to put it on their left side. So when they shake hands and introduce themselves, your eye naturally goes to the names because it's the importance of learning people's names and calling out each other is significant. Um, you know, the next example is they went to a, a table where they received this, this um, glass that had the logo of our, um, or our theme for that uh, workshop. And then right to the next thing, they went and received their personalized, and the reason I say personalized, their favorite beverage. And we had surveyed the group at time and said, you know, what's your favorite beverage? And then we went like crazy to every store we can imagine because they were specific. Uh, 16 ounce Dr. Diet Pepper or Diet Dr. Pepper, you know, all these specific yeah, yeah. beverages. We had them right with their name tags. So they had their, their glass representing what the workshop was, their personalized drink. They went in and received a journal, personalized journal. And then as they were entering, it was actually Peter who was running the workshop. He handed them the pen and didn't just say, hello, how are you? But we hope 
We hope this pen and this journal provides you a great learning opportunity to capture learnings that you for yourself, but also that you can take back to the districts in which you're leading. I so admire that. Just the personal touch, right? You're really connecting. You're, you're um, I think one of the, one of the things that leaders sometimes mess up is they get the data that you had access to, but they just don't do anything with it. It's like they collect it. And it's like, okay, they get busy or whatever. And uh, you're paying attention to detail. It's a 16 ounce Dr. Pepper, not a 20 ounce, not diet, right? right? 16 ounce, exactly. this kind of bottle, whatever. There was Chardonnay there, I'm sure as well. Maybe a nice IPA for me or uh, I'm, I'm into Belgian triples. So Okay, well, we would, get, we would get you that. We would find the store that carries that. We would give that to you. But seriously, that, that foundation, they came in with a different mindset before they even sat down in the first totally. level of instruction happened. And we believe that propels learning, the trajectory of learning and transfer that occurs just as a result of that environment and the welcome we think is tenfold. We'd love to kind of quantitate that. We don't have the, we don't have that right now, but it's like, we believe, Danny, that makes a huge difference to adult learning. 100%. Yeah, I have so many follow-up questions with that, but I want to I play it with the other side of stuff because here we have an emotional, uh, sort of almost like a reunion, right? Coming back into first person or, or uh, yeah, live, you know, learning workshops and that kind of thing. Um, and people are excited, tearful, right? Happy to be back. But Peter, I know you've, you've been all over the nation, internationally too, facilitating workshops. Sometimes that's not always the case, right? And I want to invite you to talk about this because I want the listener to consider how they might do this to their staff at times. But, you know, you are Peter DeWitt, like kind of a big deal to me, you know? There were actually a number of Peter DeWitt. So I'm not like the Peter DeWitt. There are like 12 of them on Instagram. So no, there's 12. Funny story, and I'm not going to give you the details, but if you Googled Daniel or Danny Bauer, there was another person who came up quite a bit. I finally outranked this person, but they ranked for stuff like, oh man, like I don't, it's kind of too bad, right? That we're associated by name. Anyways, Peter, when, you, when you've done some workshops, you could sometimes sense that like people were just there, like as if maybe they got signed up and that kind of thing. And so I, I'm just curious, like how you... How you approach that at times, again, because I want the listener to think about how they might be doing that to staff or if they feel like they're sharing to staff who are disconnected, how do you engage people that are seemingly resistant at the beginning? You know, it's a good question, Danny, because I've been doing this work for, you know, 10 years. And before COVID, I was on the road maybe like 45 weeks a year. So I was running workshop to workshop. And yeah, I thought that was the thing, right? You know, you always hear consultants talking about the number of days they're on the road. What I forgot during some of that time, when you become quote unquote popular, is that you almost uh, feel like the workshop's about you and not about the people. And mm-hmm. you do, you can be at risk of, of forgetting that. And I've met people who have forgotten that. So during COVID, you know, I created this hybrid approach because I had to. I mean, I was home, but I also, you know, I was working with school districts that still wanted me to work remotely with them. And then I came across Mike and, you know, I did a a keynote for Mike and then he asked me to be a lead advisor for the state work. And when you're, one of the things that I have learned more, and I always kind of knew this, like you always care about the people in the room, whether you're a teacher or a principal or you're facilitating workshops. But I think one of the things that I've learned over the past three years of working with Mike is I, I'm much more intentional 
in what I do with that carrying. And I hope that makes sense because Mike said 16 ounce Dr. Pepper, but what he was forgetting was that we were walking through a grocery store in Yakima, Washington, and there were some like really specific drinks. And it was much more than just 16 ounce and anything. And I remember looking at him and I said, wow, some people are high maintenance. And he looked at me and said, isn't that great? And I felt like, I felt like a jerk, you know, at that moment. But I also, I said, what? And he goes, no, we asked them what their favorite drink was. And they felt like they could tell us, change my mindset. And also with the, you know, with the Google Doc that we created, one of the things was there was a woman that said, I'm hearing impaired. And I know you can't do it because it was like 24 hours before the workshop. I know you can't do it, but if you'd have, you know, packets, paper copies, and closed captioning, that would be really helpful. Well, we did that. So when she came in, I noticed her name and I said, hey, I just want you to know I read your name and I read what you put in the Google Doc yesterday and we have hard copies for you and we have closed captioning. She started to cry. And what, where that came from is that I remember a few years ago, I was running a workshop in somewhere in the United States. And it was the first day of a six, we were going to be together six times over three months. And I went up to one of the groups and just said, hi, I'm Peter. And, you know, who are you? And thanks for being here. So why do you, why are you here? What would you like to learn from me? And they said, we have no idea why we're here. And they weren't being impolite. I mean, they were actually yeah. being very polite about it. But I said, oh, what do you mean you don't know why you're here? And because it was a very specific training, it was on instructional leadership teams. And I said, so are you the instructional leadership team? And they said, no, we already have one of those. And I asked, so what are you? And they said, well, our principal told us we were the empowerment team. And I said, great, what does that mean? And they said, we have no idea. He just told us the other day. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, you're coming to meet with me for six days over three months where I'm going to be asking you to collect evidence and you don't even know why you're there. And so in between the experience I had of running workshops up until COVID, understanding the social emotional side of people coming together, meeting up with Mike and just looking at the intentionality, but just the, the deep thoughtfulness that he brings. And then going and hearing that people don't even know why they're in a workshop. And I started asking those questions of people I coached. Like, I hear you going to RTI. What are you going to, what do you think you're going to learn at RTI? They didn't, they really weren't thinking about it. They were just going to the conference. And that's when we started really looking at the idea of what's the success criteria. Let's send out a letter ahead of time to welcome them, but also give them the success criteria and tell them, ask them to think about what's your success criteria for when you're coming because we're going to ask you. And that's the intentionality that we're trying to do on the academic side. So we've got the social emotional side, but from the academic side, which is also social emotional, it's, do you know why you're coming? Here's my success criteria. You know, consider your own success criteria, you know, and be prepared to share that through an online engagement tool that we use. Those are the kind of things that are helping us build intentionality. So from a, from a principal standpoint or a school district standpoint, and that's where Mike's strength is. He has a perspective I don't have because he comes from the district office. I was a building based leader. It's when you're doing your faculty meetings, like, do you have success criteria for your faculty meetings? Do you have success criteria for your instructional leadership team? Do you actually ask people to build success criteria with you? I just had a bunch of coaching sessions today and I always start off with, What's your success criteria for our time together? I mean, we're working on a cycle of inquiry. We know what your priorities are, but I really want to know what is it you want to, with this hour that we have together, 
I want to know what do you want to gain out of this meeting? So when you leave here, you're not going to feel like this was a waste of your time. So whether you're building based, whether you're a teacher, a part of a department, whether you're at the district office or whether you're doing a workshop, sending out a letter ahead of time, giving people success criteria ahead of time, develop co-constructing it with them at a meeting is just a really, it's a great place to start. And we've definitely, you know, benefited from those conversations. Right. Can you, Peter, go into a little more detail with success criteria, maybe given some examples uh, of what, what people might share? I don't know if there's a template they give that they fill out or if they just kind of identify, I want to accomplish these three things. I don't know if it's a continuum, but can you unpack that a little bit more? It's all of it. <laughs> I'll say it's all of it. Okay. So I think at first what it was is I would share the success criteria saying, you know, by the time you're finished with this instructional leadership workshop, you will have learned about, you know, deep implementation or the, the four parts of implementation. You will have reflected on ways that you actually engage in student engagement and walk away with three strategies around student engagement. So it's that kind of thing that I would put in there to be very specific. I started to, and honestly, where I've been concerned with success criteria, even though, you know, I've been doing it for the past 10 years because I started working with Hattie back then, I still have a lot to learn, I think, about success criteria. So it's about the process that you want people to go to go through. So when I'm sitting at a meeting with somebody or ask them, what is your success criteria? They will say things like, I want to talk to you about the strategies I'm using on, well, one from today, the strategies we're using to lower our suspension rates within our school. So that was their success criteria. They wanted to talk about strategies. One person wanted to talk about the strategies he's using when he's going in to do walkthroughs into classrooms. And I have an access to all of his Google Docs because he has one for every teacher within the school. So I was able to open it up and talk to him about, so I notice you in some classrooms more than you're in others. So those are that's a success criteria that he was looking for. It's really going to be based on where they want to go deeper with their own learning and the strategies they're using to mostly practice instructional leadership. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always uh, wanting to hear how, how people approach and uh, deliver the most value to those we serve. Your leadership is service. And so a lot of the questions I end up asking, they're um, sort of selfish because I want to know the answer for myself, right? And then I do my learning in public and this podcast has changed my life. But you know, one, one approach that I've been using that's been quite fun uh, at workshops that I might lead, I have a, a worksheet I call my workshop focus. And it, 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 it sounds similar in the sense that you're not just here and you're not here to be entertained, right? I do hope you learn some stuff, but let's put some boundaries upon what would make this a worthwhile time. So something I ask is, uh, I always love to start with sort of positivity. So reflecting on the last 12 months, just bu- bullet points. What are some things that you want to celebrate? Cause as leaders, you get into it, you know, and you just get busy. Two, I like to ask based on uh, how you want to grow in the next year, what are some challenges you face? So we can have some awareness and maybe there are tools or whatever, right? That we can give you during the workshop to help you out with that. And the third question I ask, and it's, it's really give and take, you know, depending on the audience, I might just do a handful of volunteers, but I have everybody established what would make today a five star learning experience for you. And, uh, that's always the, the, um, the moment, right? Because it's like, okay, I've prepared some stuff. I've got a, a vast tool belt of things that I can share, but are people going to ask for things that I, 
I really hope I could deliver on. So it's kind of like, a, oh boy, let's see what they say. But it's quite exciting because then when you, when you over deliver, right? Somebody says, I want five strategies and you give them 10 within the first 10 minutes. You know, they're, they're quite, quite pleased with that. All right. So, um, yeah, thank you for allowing me to, to share that as well. Mike, I want to go back over to you. And, uh, I'm just curious, you know, when it comes to the instructional leadership collective, tell the ruckus maker listening, like, who, who's this for? Like, who's an ideal member? Is this something that you come to once? Is this like a year long commitment? What, what does it look like to participate and, and join you in one of these? I think what I, I, I would love to explore. So we, we have what is called the Instructional Leadership Academy. So that's where we were bringing a whole bunch of leaders from across the state of Washington together who focus on teaching and learning. Mm. And, and that's what kind of led us to the Instructional Leadership Collective. So let me start with the Instructional Leadership Academy. What we have, what we found, at least in the state of Washington, and I was one for a long time as assistant superintendent where I led instruction in one of 295 school districts. But never did we come together to really break down barriers between school district boundary lines to talk about the work we were doing. And, you know, honestly, we we're probably double doing the work. Um, we were doing the same work in just different districts, whether you call that silo working or whatever. It's just we weren't being, we weren't raising each other up in the work either. And so as Peter and I really started to to think through our work together in the last three years, the word collective really resonated with us. So unlike maybe a collaboration where you come together and you just collaborate, which you might call the Instructional Leadership Academy or a community, which you might call the Instructional Leadership Academy, where people are coming together to talk. Collective, the word collective means something different to us, Danny. And I think that's the key is it's this integrated approach. And it's, if I could describe it, it's, it's, it's not only are we talking about the work, but I'm making you better and you're making me better with each and every conversations that we have together. And we're building this network with each other and support. And so the, you know, whether it's an article or a video or something that, that can enhance our work, we're sharing that with one another. And as a result, this network, this collective becomes stronger uh, and stronger. And we like the analogy of a, a tree. So like with a, an oak tree or an evergreen tree has a taproot. And for the first 10 years, that taproot just goes straight down. It doesn't really go out. But in turbulent times, windstorms, t- terrible weather, that tree can topple pretty easily. Unlike the giant redwoods, which are the t- giants of all trees, their root systems are shallow, but they interconnect and um, build that collective with each other. And so that's why we purposely chose that work. Yeah, that makes sense. I've, I love that metaphor of the trees basically just holding each other up, right? Because uh, the roots may be shallow, but we're stronger together, right? So that's that's the sense of it. Correct. And like each and every day, it gets stronger and stronger, that, that stronghold. And... It, it, they're not silos anymore. All of a sudden, they're in need of each other in support of each other to be better as individuals, better school districts, better for students. You know, right? We believe that's a strong analogy, which builds that collective. Brilliant. And you know, Danny, I think part of what Mike has really helped to me with when it comes to this, because we're still fostering it, we're still seeing where it's going to grow. So there's that kind of organic side of it too. There are a couple of things that Mike has helped me tremendously with. You were talking about 
you know, you like to start off with something positive when you're facilitating a workshop. And one of the things that we've been doing is, you know, we created a, a newsletter uh, a few months ago. And I need to be honest, I was never really a fan of newsletters because I always felt <laughs> like there was supposed to be this one-sided, let's talk about me kind of thing. And this one's not. It's about, you know, we have a guest author every time we're, we're focusing on something positive because that's definitely who Mike is. So, but we're focusing on important topics too, like women in leadership or inclusion, but we're focusing on things like gratitude and kindness as well. And then we'll have a guest author. And then we've, we've developed this way to create a Padlet where we want readers to share their own stories. So by doing that, and it's taken a while because I think people get nervous about putting their thoughts out there, the mindset. With the Instructional Leadership Academy, I've been very fortunate to do wonderful work in many places around the world, but nothing has been like the work I've been able to do with Wasa and Mike and our friend Chris Beals. And it has been, what, what happens is that you've taken these people from across the state who are in their own silos, they're in their own school buildings, they're in their own districts. And you've created this collective of people who are actually emailing each other, calling each other from across the state. Mm. And that's something you don't see very often. And why I say it's a mindset is that because when I'm doing facilitating of workshops where it's going to be multiple days, which is what most of my work is, I'm looking at them as, so we are really trying to accomplish three things. The content you're coming to do, like what your priority is focused on, student learning, whatever it might be, how you come together as a group, meaning your school building, your department, whatever. But how do we come together as a collective, meaning everybody in this room how are you, how are we mixing you up? So you're learning from people in the room. So it's not just the Peter DeWin, Mike Nelson show. It's about what you're learning from others in the room. And that to us is that collective that Mike was talking about as well. So I think there are a few different ways to look at it. It can be the small scale stuff when you're running a workshop and getting people to get to know each other. And we've seen powerful examples of how, you know, this group that's spread across the state can come together and they become one and they become friends. And, you know, we've seen that quite a bit, but it's also through things like the newsletter and how are we fostering the collective voices of the readers? And we're, you know, Mike has had these really amazing ideas of, you know, take the Padlet and let's take some of the comments from the Padlet and make sure that's in the new, next newsletter. And, you know, who are we going to have as the guest author? What's the theme going to be about? And honestly, I've had more positive reactions from friends and people that I've known over the years because of things like the newsletter to say, you know, there's something different about this in the way that it, it's not just positive, but it also focuses on research and content. Um, but it's, you can feel that it's elevating the voices of people. So that's, those are some ways that we've been doing it as well. So appreciate that and connecting some dots, you know, back to, uh, when you have a room full of people and they feel maybe like, oh, they're resisting learning or they don't know why they're here. And uh, you were mentioning, Peter, how the focus isn't on you. It's about them and how to serve them. It's the same thing that you're doing here, you know, with the collective. And something else that um, I really resonate with, because I'm playing an infinite game, you know, for me to win, you don't have to lose and vice versa, right? So let's let's collaborate. You know, I, I say my mission often is to connect, grow, mentor every school leader who wants to level up, right? But all of us doing this kind of work, 
connecting leaders is so important because you know, I know you've read Mastermind. We've talked about it on your podcast, but some scary stats that I saw there, less than a quarter of leaders had access to a coach or mentor in the last two years, right? If you're in a high poverty school district, it was 10%. And then, you know, just connecting with peers, forget coach and mentor, but with colleagues, it's really only about half of school leaders are collaborating regularly three or more times, you know, each year in the past two years. That's crazy. Like that's honestly bewildering and shocking to me. How can we um, help education evolve and raise the game if we're not supporting or like Redwoods, you know, holding each other like the roots? So, you know, the thing about is that, and this is where I get really excited because yes. this was the perspective that Mike has that I didn't have. Mm. So I work with a lot of building leaders, instructional coaches, leadership teams from, from buildings and stuff. And I have good relationships with superintendents because they're bringing me in. But Mike's our former superintendent. We just had a conversation because we were together, you know, a, a few weeks ago in Washington State. And we were around a lot of superintendents and their school boards. We actually co-facilitated workshop at this um, the school board conference in Washington State. And, you know, I had this aha moment, which sounds really silly because you would think I would, but Mike coaches superintendents. And I was thinking, how? I wonder if they share that they get coached because you don't always think about superintendents getting coached. And Mike, Mike coaches them. And then Mike did this fantastic job uh, when he was a, when he was a superintendent of getting school boards to learn. Like he saw himself as a teacher. Sorry to talk about you, Mike, when you're like right here. But no, it's just, this is the perspective that I don't think of because it's, he was this teacher and the school board were his students in a way where they were talking about, you know, what might research look like? What will, what might we look like? Or what will we, we look for in, in classrooms? And, you know, what do we want good teaching and learning to look like? And those are the things that I think is that just that different perspective that I had that is also kind of that wonderful part of when you say the research around people not getting coached, much of that research is around school building leaders. Imagine what it's like for superintendents. And that's where Mike has been able to kind of be be there to help coach superintendents because he's done the job. But also the idea of like, how do you get school boards to engage in this conversation? Because as somebody who works with a lot of building leaders, I don't talk a lot about school boards and how they're learning from one another like does. So that part, that coaching part, that how do you do that work is something that I think he he does extremely well. And I'm always in awe of watching him do that work. And that's a pretty great partnership to have. Yeah. Well, you complement each other well. Well, I appreciate this conversation. I think this is a good spot to take a pause and get some messages in from our sponsors. When we return, I want to talk about a really cool tool on reflection that you have just for the ruckus maker listening. What do you see in your classrooms? And how did you see it? As a principal, you can't be everywhere at once. So how can you help support every teacher in the building? With TeachFX, teachers can gather their own feedback without relying on classroom observations. The TeachFX instructional coaching app is like giving every teacher their own instructional coach whenever they want it. Ruckus makers can pilot TeachFX with their teachers. Visit teachfx.com forward slash better leaders to learn how. That's teachfx.com forward slash better leaders. 
As students progress through their K-12 experience, schoolwork only gets harder and more complex. Yet at the same time, students are asked to be more independent in their learning. Young people struggling with executive functioning skills will fall further and further behind. The pandemic, let's be real, it's only made things worse. The remedy is found in equipping students with executive functioning skills. Our friends at Organized Binder have released a new self-paced course, and it teaches you how to teach these executive functioning skills and set up your students for success. Learn more at organizedbinder.com go and start setting up your students for success today. Again, that's over at organizedbinder.com go. All right. And we're back with Mike Nelson and Peter DeWitt. We've been talking about the Instructional Leadership Collective that they've formed. And uh, I'm fired up. I hope you're fired up hearing about how they are connecting uh, school leaders and serving them. And before the break, I mentioned that these guys have a really great tool for you on reflection. And I could talk reflection. We could do a two-hour podcast at least. That would be a short one for me on reflection. But if, if you could keep it somewhat brief, like, what's the reflection tool that you have for the Ruckus Maker listening, Peter? Uh, yeah, so I uploaded um, one from Instructional Leadership Creating Practice Out of Theory, which is a book that I published a month before COVID. So that was really great timing. But, you know, I'm always a big fan of reflection, especially when you can reflect with evidence and those kind of things. So, yeah, I actually created the reflection document. I was able to upload it to to Google. And when people go to our website, they could actually find the free resource there. Mike has one as well um, on a protocol they can use. But actually, Danny, I have you to thank for that. Because when we were talking to you before the show, we went to our website and I have you to thank for two things. One was when you said, hey, how about some free resources? Would you be willing to do that? And, you know, we jumped on that right away. But the other was when we did the uh when we were talking to you before, you had an AI assistant. And uh, I got right off our call and looked up that AI assistant and purchased it right away. And that's been hugely helpful. So, But the free resource is the Instructional Leadership Reflective Document. And when I wrote Instructional Leadership Creating Practice out of Theory, there were really six domains that are a part of practicing instructional leadership. I really broke it down to its finer parts. And the reflection document will take them through all six parts. Great. So you can uh, go to instructionalleadership.com. And I think it's uh, resources is the tab, but you can find uh, all the resources there and uh, grab that if you're interested. Well, Mike, I want to ask you if you could put a message on all school marquees for a single day, what would your message be? Uh, My message would be the secret to success is to stay in love. It's a quote by former Army General and former Seattle Public School Superintendent John Stanford. And he just talks about how we as individuals, as humans, if we can always have that inner fire to do great things for others and for the work in which we're doing, that will send ripples out to others to do great things. And um, it, I've held it. It's a quote that I found in the Leadership Challenge by Cruises and Posner and it's one that I that let go of for about 30 years, to be honest, Danny. And it's a, yeah. it's a powerful one for educators. Love it. Thanks for sharing that. And guys, uh, if you were building a dream school, let's say you were partnered again with the Instructional Leadership Collective building a dream school, you weren't constrained by any types of resources. Your only limitation was your ability to imagine. I'm just going to ask you each for what would be one guiding principle 
that you would have within this school. And uh, Mike, we'll, we'll keep the mic with you. And then uh, Peter, will go to you. I think it's the ability to listen and hear and understand from, stand from the student perspective for learning to occur at its highest level. Thank you. Peter, what would be your guiding principle? I hope it doesn't sound too silly, but honestly, it's to always be open to learning. I worry sometimes that we go into school so prepared to teach that we're not learning at the same time. And some of the best things that happened to me are the things that I didn't see coming because of the fact that I was curious and open to learning. So that would be mine. It's not silly at all. You know, it's the it's the always working administrator who likes to call themselves on social media a lead learner, but they haven't read a book in decades and they're not learning anything either. And it's like, what? How are you doing that? So I did not silly at all. Like, I want you to have the last word. So we covered a lot of ground on today's podcast. Of everything we discussed today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I think that the ability to humble yourself and put yourself out there to be a collective, be a part of a collective, meaning join forces with others who have the same passion, who are willing to stay in love with the uh, with education in order to work together putting down all egos, putting everything toward our students and not adults in terms of that ultimate that I think is what I was guiding to and to my guiding principle. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. How would you like to lead with confidence, swap exhaustion for energy, turn your critics into cheerleaders, and so much more? The Ruckus Maker Mastermind is a world-class leadership program designed for growth-minded school leaders just like you. Go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind. Learn more about our program and fill out the application. We'll be in touch within 48 hours to talk how we can help you be even more effective. And by the way, we have cohorts that are diverse and mixed up. We also have cohorts just for women in leadership and a BIPOC-only cohort as well. When you're ready to level up, go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash mastermind and fill out the application. Thanks again for listening to the show. Bye for now and go make a ruckus. Bye.